Check out today's guest Nathan on his YouTube channel, Necrooks. In 10 minutes he more clearly explains stockpiles, than this podcast did, given an hour. Say la vie. Welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. I'm Roland. I'm Tony. And we are welcoming today Nathan. How you doing, Nathan? Hello. I'm doing great. Nathan heard our live stream last week. I actually, uh, I had been listening to your podcast for a, a little over a year now, I think. Oh, thank I, you. Uh, I spinged it a while ago, <laughs> and then I lost my headphones at work, so I missed like the last five episodes. Do you think uh, those? Do you think it was related to you listening? The loss <laughs> of the headphones, or the, do you think it's separate? I just, I'm no. just wondering. Okay, okay. I had actually thought about joining you guys a long time ago, but it was always kind of up in the air. You know, I hadn't played the game too long, all in one go yet, so I was like, I don't really know what I'm talking about. But now I, I heard that you guys welcoming people on again. I was like, this is it. I got to do it. Yeah, awesome. I'm not exactly sure why we stopped doing that. It wasn't ever on purpose that we stopped doing it. it just... Wasn't it a board decision that, that happened? Uh, like board, the, yes, the, it was from the, the higher ups, you know. That's right. <laughs> Those damn investors. Yeah. <laughs> I know, right? So, Nathan, uh, how did you get into Dwarf Fortress? Uh, well, that's actually kind of a hard thing to remember now because it happened at the same time that I got into Linux and... I had gotten into RimWorld before that. One of my earliest gaming memories is uh, Sim Tower, which is kind of a dwarf fortress of its own, if you know it. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. And so I've always kind of been into these games, played the Civ games and stuff. And, and I discovered RimWorld through a friend about five years ago. And then I think I switched to Linux after that. And then I, I believe the series of events goes, I saw a review of Dwarf Fortress by a hilarious guy on YouTube. Then I looked it up and I found out it runs on Linux. And it's a lot like RimWorld. When I started playing it, I realized that. And I was like, this is the game for me. Hmm. But I did the same thing everyone else does. I played it for about 10 hours and then I threw it away because I was like, this is unplayable. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I hate this. Yeah. Yeah. Sure enough, here I am. I'm back. <laughs> That's interesting. I never really thought of the connection between, you know, the similarities between Sim Tower and Dwarf Fortress. But yeah, there's a lot there. Yeah. I mean, the, obviously the game is way smaller, but you're still building structures that, mm-hmm. that perform tasks interrelated with each other in order to avoid various types of fun, which is, you know, cockroach infections instead of goblins killing everybody. But yeah, that would, you know, Apples and oranges. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think, it's, I think it's a great comparison. And if you thought about it, early Dwarf Fortress was 2D. There was just one Z level, which, you know, if you take a small embark location and limit it to one Z level, Sim Tower would be like a vertical version of a horizontal dwarf, early Dwarf Fortress. So, yeah, that's yeah. cool. I'm sure that, that the Adams Brothers uh, played some Sid Meier's games back in the day. I, I would be shocked to hear that they didn't. Yeah. Yeah. Maxis Games. Yeah. I Wasn't don't think Sim- that they're like Apex Legends guys. Let's just say that. Uh, yeah, they are. I didn't say anything. I was just, you know, Apex Legends. Okay. There yeah. we are again. <laughs> oh, we like, forget. Roland is like 20, awesome. so. <laughs> yeah, Roland knows what Apex Legends is. 
Uh, but he has no clue know, what SimCity I, is. I have actually been playing it. Okay, don't yeah. don't bully me for this. <laughs> no, that's cool, man. My kids love it. Right there with Minecraft. Shut up. Hey, I played Minecraft when it came out. I, I really enjoyed that when it first came out. How me to survive too. for one night? I felt so accomplished, not dying overnight. I've been playing a lot of uh, a lot of old school Doom with a friend of mine, and we threatened to start playing Fortnite, but the, we went back the, to playing uh, the, um, the Westwood Entertainment Doom. That one, the strategy, real time strategy one. Doom no, two. No, the uh, the what nineteen ninety three. Are you saying with an M or an N? Doom is in. Uh, I'm going to oh, go no, kill no, monsters, yeah. or Dune is in. I live in a desert and eat spice. M. Okay, Thinking, uh, <laughs> John you. Carmack and and got it. And uh, John Romero, that Doom. Got it, got it. Yeah. Yes. What a difference a letter a lot makes. Of collapse about. Yes, it does very much so. I, I am really looking forward to that Dune movie coming out, especially whenever I found out that he's going to direct both of them. Oh, way off. Okay, sidetracked again. <clears throat> yeah, and I still don't know if we're if we're an M or an N because any of that makes sense. Michael. And Michael, okay, good, because I think they're making another Dune movie too. And wow, they, that's okay, what, we get that's it, guys. You're old. We get it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, back to Teletubbies. All right, with guns. Okay, it's Teletubbies with guns. With guns. I wonder. Let's not be unfair. Them. Oh. Which one's the miner? Which one's the wax worker? Which one's the? Um, All right. So where were we like originally? Hmm. I I do hmm. actually have a question. If, um, you know, because people say like, yeah, I played it for like two hours and then I stopped playing it. But how long was the pause? Because most people actually tend to not play it for like a year mm. or even longer. And then suddenly something like pops up in the head or something. And they're like, well, I kind of want to get back to it. You know? Yeah, it was at least almost a year, if not over a year. Mm hmm. I guess the impression it left on me was I could get 90% of the entertainment for 10% of the effort playing something like RimWorld. So I just kind of gravitated back to that. But eventually it kind of kind of wore down on me and uh, it kind of made me, being away from it made me think, but there is really so much more than 10% above RimWorld. Like I can't get 90% of this out of anything. I can only get 30% of this of Dwarf Fortress out of RimWorld. So eventually it drew me back and I was like, all right, so let's try this again. We'll put in a, a tile set and I'll try to focus on the basics at first. And it just the second time around, having that initial experience just pushed me through the intimidating parts fast enough to keep me in it then. Do you still play with a tile set or do you go vanilla oh, yeah. or graphics? Oh. Absolutely tile set. I mean, yeah. the only reason I would play ASCII is because I'm considering running it in text mode so I can do it over an SSH without a graphical interface and play it at work. Huh. Yeah, I, I think tile set's the game changer. It was for me. Um, yeah, truly. The, truly. The, the text is, is awesome and it's fun and it's cool. Like if, you know, if I was playing somewhere and I wanted to look like I wasn't playing a game, I've not... You know, I've off, I've, I've occasionally turned off tile sets, but usually it's just for a specific reason. Because, man, I, I don't know what it is, but like the semicolon and the period 
and the one fourth fraction. I, I just, I, I don't know. I just can't see it as well. So I do have a question about that. Can you play this game with a, over SSH? Is there an incurses version uh, that plays for Dwarf Fortress? Because I was under the impression that even the ASCII, and I'm flying air quotes here, ASCII tile set was indeed a graphics tile set and not actual actual text characters. So it is a graphics tile set that just uses characters as pictures. But in my adventure to find out how to SSH into my PC to play Dwarf Fortress, I found that there is an init uh, config file setting for text mode. Now, I haven't tried this yet. It could be completely unusable. It could not even exist anymore because I don't know what year that came from, but I found it in a guide. And so you can turn on text mode, in which case I suppose the game actually plays in, like you said, probably end curses or something like that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's the if you go into the any file, I think it's in there when rendering mode, it can be 2D. And then I think there's one option that's just text. Cool. I'll have to try hmm. that. So that's true, ASCII. So all of you purists out there who are going to give me trouble about using a tile set, I just want you to know that you're using a tile set too. It's just a really crappy one. And if you want to be hardcore, you got to switch that to text mode and then you can come at me. Cool. I, I, I would love to be able to do Troll uh, Fortress over SSH on my Linux server. That'd be Sounds great. like a great way to su- another great way to suffer through playing the game. Um, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Never let it leave your life. It should always be there. Yeah. But then again, couldn't you just let it run forever and just check it sometimes? Because I know there's an option of like turning off the pause stuff. So when like uh, something incredible happens, your game gets paused, right? You can turn that off in the in the init file somewhere. And that plus letting it run on the server. Wouldn't you be able to like extremely go into the direction of having a Ford go for 200 years or something because it like runs through the night if you want? Only uh, if there's an auto labor system. Ah, I suppose. Now you're talking my language. I don't know. I feel like the game provides enough logic that you could craft an auto labor system through the regular. Uh, menus, yeah. But. yeah, I mean, you have the manager and, you know, through the manager, you are able to tell your dwarves, make sure that you have uh, this amount of drinks and this amount of food. So, you know, they should be good. They should survive. According to the wiki, you can even have your military automatically travel to patrol your fortress. Really? Yeah. That is amazing. You can set uh, points for them to travel between and do patrols, but I haven't. Uh, experimented with that yet um that actually, sounds complicated it's kind of a thing that i that's kind of the way that i judge the uh success of a fortress or uh this is something i kind of decided on rimworld when doing colonies is how long will it survive without my input is kind of how good i feel about the colony or the fortress and in this case, right now where I'm at with Dwarf Fortress, I'd give it about 40 seconds before someone goes into a strange mood and can't find <laughs> silk and kills everybody. <laughs> We've all been there. Uh. Attention members and guests, Jack Dillon is the new manager of the Gilded Corridor, Guild Hall of Crafts Dwarf Guild, the Lacey Guild. It's located deep inside the halls of Suzuksum. Come learn and enjoy fellowship. 
I suppose if it means anything, I could place myself here a little in the group for the short time that I'm here anyway. I feel like my play style on Dwarf Fortress is is somewhere around Roland's level of of perfectionism, especially with logic <laughs> and stockpiles and stuff. Especially <laughs> with stockpiles. You should see all the links on my stockpiles. Oh, man. Are you really <laughs> linking stockpiles to things, to workshops and stuff? Uh, all the time. That oh, is, I'm doing that now, too. I link stockpiles to other stockpiles. Yeah. That is a heroic effort. <laughs> Thank you for your service. <laughs> it's the only way to get my people to reliably make soap, I've found. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. I'm also somewhere around uh, Jonathan's level of experience. I haven't been to the circus. I, I actually today's topic we're going to bring up at some point, I guess, is traps. And I have not really caught anything in a trap yet. So, really? uh, yeah, I just okay. I just have my military dwarves go punch things if I hmm. need to, you know, and if they die, great. My pop cap goes down or my population goes down. I've got 20 like hammer lords and mace lords and legendary spearmen. So, yeah, um, I'm having a little bit of trouble with traps, too. We'll, we'll get to that later. But uh. <laughs> yeah, I, I see. I actually see what you're doing in your fortress. And we kind of have to, like, talk about the amount of goblets you have there because it's terrifying. <laughs> um, <but laughs> they are, they're all, no, 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 no. They're all waiting, sitting there waiting to get traded onto the trading uh, depot uh, in, you know, later this month, whenever the uh, purchase shows up. But so. What did you make them out of? 20 frames per second. What's that? Uh, They they look like stone. They are. Uh, I make mine out of lead, just so OSHA can complain. (laughs) Sure. Passive aggressive. (laughs) Do you trade those to the elves? (laughs) I should. I should. But I actually, I like the idea that I have lead uh, goblets in my tavern for all the guests and everyone. (laughs) Vibing ancient room. If I had enough lead, I would make one of those buckets, jugs instead of barrels. Oh yeah, yeah, large large pots. I, I yeah, see. large pots. Yeah, yeah. trade those to the elves. Okay, where were we before we started looking at my fortress? So we were talking <laughs> about. Okay, so I, I'm going to look at our agenda for today. So we're going to next talk about our personal fortresses or fortress I, as they're well, known. Before we do that, <laughs> okay, perhaps that we should just. Uh, skip that and go on to talking about the topic because that's an awesome uh, we're 30 idea. minutes in wow uh, around 30 minutes in and i think that we're not gonna have any problem uh filling the time uh, so you guys let me talk too much no 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 no. <laughs> no absolutely not it is good whenever we don't have to look for stuff to say ah okay <laughs> this is a conversational podcast all craft swordship is of the highest quality <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You you should actually take that and like put it in every single podcast that is. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will try that. So last week Tony decided that we should talk about traps today. today. And Nathan felt that his expertise was high enough in traps that he should be the focus of the conversation. Absolutely. Nathan? Yeah. So <laughs> traps are uh traps are things where when something touches it, it ouches them. Yes. <laughs> or, 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 or it can also just catch them. True. So True. It another... ouches them emotionally. <laughs> it does, you know? yes. Nobody wants to be <laughs> in a cage. Well, I have had a lot of spare cash lately, and I've been spending a lot of money on giant spiked balls and corkscrews and axe heads. 
Are we it's still talking about Door Fortress or is this? Yeah, same, same. I was like, this is your home depot money. shopping list. You mean like in real life? You're actually yeah. building traps in real life? Um, yeah. But yeah. What, are, uh, what do you no. guys, I mean, are you cage traps or weapons traps? Because I, I did the I did the Paradexus Errant. I, I wish I knew how to say that properly. I think that's, uh, I think that's right. All right. That's the way we'll, it's spelled in a way. We'll do it. We'll do it that way then. That's the way it's spelled. Oh, that always works in English. Um, yeah, so I, I followed that guide and he's all about the discs, the serrated yeah. discs in there. Yeah. And so I've just unquestioningly followed that one for a while. And then I started experimenting with cage traps because it, they're ridiculously effective. Yes. Like you can have a rock or you can have a forgotten beast or whatever and anything. They're like, they're just so overpowered. And it's like, why would I do anything other than cage trap? They're completely effective. Like well, you can capture a whole goblin army. In cage traps. Yeah, but you have serious down points to the cage traps. And that is the pathing system. Because as soon as somebody gets like trapped in a cage trap, the millisecond that triggers, all dwarves will try yeah. to uh, secure the cage and rush in. So when you actually not have like a single rock or like a single large terrifying animal but like a whole goblin army and one goblin got caged, then half your fortress will try to secure that goblin, rush out and get killed if you are not like careful about what you do and like closing off doors. Uh, like they'll all go in and try to take the cage and put it in the animal yeah. stockpile or whatever. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of annoying. Here's a question. Is that animal hauling? If a goblin gets stuck in it? That is animal hauling, yes. It is, yes. yeah. I would just turn off animal hauling except for like two guys. How many animals yeah. are you really hauling? I no, usually... no, you would assume so, but it's not just animal hauling, I assume, because it still happens when you turn that off. Oh. But uh, it may also count as, you, you can stone me if I'm wrong, but it may no, count no. as like furniture hauling because even people that do not have animal hauling activated will try to get to that goblin. So did, did you just uh, say you can stone me if yes. I'm wrong? And and has that has that been something that's somebody's threatened to do to you before? I'm just like because <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that as a threat before. So, or, no, or, it's it's yeah. anyway, where was I? Um so the problem is You were getting stoned in caverns, I guess. <laughs> shut <laughs> up. Um when, for example, I really like building bridges, not for the sake of building bridges, sort, uh, but for the sake of like getting them up so my idiot dwarves stay inside when a siege is happening. Because when I use cage traps, I really want to make sure that the goblin army is like either repelled, dead, or caged before I even start going in there and like getting those cages yeah a civilian alert also works but if you forgot about that you have civilians next to the cages and that will not be good for them i've been using burrows to keep them yeah. away and that's been treating me pretty well yeah having not found any other better way to do it well, once you uh, get into the military menus and you realize how alerts and civilian alerts work, everything becomes way nicer in a siege because you can tell yeah. all of your civilians to just go hang out in the tavern or the bedrooms and uh, and they won't do anything. They'll just stay there and your military can do whatever they want. However, 
I have to warn listeners that have not tried that. Be aware that your dwarfs will not even leave the, the what is that called? The burrow um, mm-hmm. when they are hungry. So they might actually starve when they don't have food or drinks. Yes. That's why you put a refrigerator in the middle of the bedroom so that yes. everyone can get up in the middle of the yes. night and have a snack. No, like seriously, like getting your dwarves into a tavern that actually has some drinks in it will suit them better than putting them into the bedroom where you have no drinks, even though they can sleep there. But, you know, that's why I build a small tavern that has some drinks in it. So I can like burrow them in there and they still have something to drink and they don't starve. You know, I typically make a huge bug out, a huge, uh, you know, attack style burrow that encompasses all of the underground portions of my fortress. I have a couple of drawbridges that I use to close off the outside. You know, I tell them to to stay inside, basically, and they can continue to work for the most part as usual uh, yeah, while the uh, yeah. soldiers are outside fighting. So that's how I typically do it. Yeah, that's pretty good. I, I use a very similar system where I have a double bridge system, meaning that I have my military in a secure place between bridges. The goblins are outside of both bridges and Mm -hmm. my civilian population is inside both bridges. So the civilians can work while I can still like open a bridge to release my uh, military upon the door, the, the goblins that are caught in my traps. So that's a very nice system, especially when you have the part where the military is training is the same part between the bridges. So you you don't have to give a military alarm so they can still train before everything happens. But everything is yeah. like secure and walled off. That is very nice. I like that. I do a similarly defensive thing with drawbridges, but I uh, I tend to build behind a waterfall, a very tall waterfall, usually at least 10 to 20 sea levels high and my drawbridge will come out from behind the waterfall which is split in twain by some structures above to make a mist generator for the entrance because that's cool and so when you walk into my fortress you walk from the other side of the river across the river through this waterfall and then you have to go up a level into my actual fortress well the hallway before you go up a level is kind of my security trap the drawbridge can close behind you floodgates will close in front of you and then there's a channel or a a column for water a chute whatever i can't think of the name that will flood that entrance hallway so not only will the drawbridge close and prevent people from getting in but anyone who has gotten in will be drowned in my entryway that's awesome nice yeah i like that and that just gave me the idea of this is a question that i had i've not tried it can you hook up one lever to two different bridges Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So you have one lever that is controlling two bridges. One is a couple Z levels above the other one. And you have them whenever they get opened, they interrupt a waterfall that's coming from a few Z levels above them. So that whenever the whenever they're open, oh yeah. When they're open, the waterfall is hitting the bridges, but whenever they're closed, the waterfall is being allowed to go on down to the walkway that's the entrance of your fortress so that a uh, so that you can, anyone who's trying to get in there uh, would have trouble because they would have to go through the waterfall. I don't know. That may or may not work. Yeah. Worth a shot. Relax at Klinodef's The Golden Plum Tavern. Come enjoy the spirits and dance your troubles away 
and then collapse in one of our reasonably priced rooms. All visitors welcome. Well, that's actually that whole subject. I think is pretty pretty relevant if we're talking about traps, because obviously the game has traps. It has a, yeah. a item you can build called a trap. But Dwarf Fortress allows for so many creative trap designs that uh, I would never fill a hallway with traps that required steel to make. That would seem like a waste of steel to me. I would rather make a pitfall out of floodgates. Yeah. Because you could capture 30 goblins and it costs you, what, 10 stone or something? And that pulls us back to uh, Roland's, you know, dwarven toilet. Yeah, TM. Dwarven toilet TM. It's a great thing. (laughs) And you just chuck everything down there and then you can't forget about it. Because the first dwarven toilet TM that I ever built was in a zombification biome. So when everything actually survives the fall, doesn't matter because there are like 54 zombies down there. It's fine. You know, it's going to be dealt with. Do I have to clean it out like biannually? Yeah, sure. But, you know. So I did your toilet one time and I dug a big, you know, channel, you know, DH thing, big round hole, redirected a rip and put my entrance to my fortress in there with with floodgates and and so forth and then redirected the river into it so it filled um so when a siege came the whole thing made a pond over my entrance and no one could get in or out and then i would wait for everybody to gather in there and then flood it and then it wasn't quite deep enough to kill them um and so they just kind of hung out there so i opened my drain which would let me out of the fortress again it, which went down into the caverns and it swept the whole siege down into the caverns where they didn't <laughs> die and they just lived forever in the caverns, sieging away at everything down there. So that was that was not my best attempt because then I didn't know what to do with them. I see. Yeah, That's you have an to build it deep enough, though. Yeah, yeah. I guess there were lots of problems with what I did. So for listeners who may be, may be new to the uh, to the podcast, the dwarven toilet is trademarked by Roland because <laughs> uh, soon after he mentioned it, Krug Smash did a wonderful dwarven toilet trap, which I will link in our show notes to uh, to the episode where he did that, which it was pretty cool. Where he, uh, yeah. in essence, trapped a bunch of goblins and then drowned them. It was it was pretty violent. Yeah, and to but, this day, I will pretend as to I gave him this idea. I'm not sure about it, but I will pretend until I die that I did. Yeah, I mean, you know, the timing was very suspect. It was. He had recently been on our uh, on our podcast, and yeah, and we talked about so it. So we yeah. were on his radar. We were on the radar. Hmm. <laughs> well, to so. be fair, I accidentally stumbled upon that idea, so I think yeah. it might be a little. Uh, it's it's. Uh, we'll it's, just be honest. It's not, it's not a novel. It's yeah. not a novel idea. But. Yeah. Uh, I discovered it because, well, I don't really do the toilet thing because I always have grates and I, you know, so creatures don't go through things. But I discovered it because I have farm floods. I have a lot of vertical shafts. That's the word, shafts. I have a lot of flood shafts on my fortress. In fact, it takes me several years to really get a fortress developed because I have to dig down like light shafts for my farms and stuff. Anyway, uh, I have another flood shaft that floods my farm underground and then i have drains that drain the water away into the caverns uh no unfortunately just into the river outside but maybe one day and uh i had a i had a siege 
that managed to make its way across ice. They came in winter because they're smart, I guess, and climb up the gear mechanisms for my uh, water mill to get into my fortress. And they got into my farm area because that's where my mill is. So I had to think fast. So what I did was I flooded my farm, but I flooded all the way to seven deep to drown everything (laughs) in the farm area. Uh, Because they had building destroyers, (laughs) so I couldn't just, like, close them off. So I let them in, and then I drowned them in my farm. And I discovered the magic that is trapping and drowning sentient creatures because, you know, (laughs) it's just a fun time. Oh, yeah. Has Roland written all over it. Yeah, but usually my my traps are more spiky. Even if they don't Uh, need spikes, I still do spikes simply for, you know the feeling of somebody getting like impaled upon a still sitting spike on the floor. That is like, you know, a mind cinema for me. I love it. Yes. Speaking of spikes, I have a question for you guys about that. Um, How have you guys tried the pressure trap spikes where you have like a pressure plate that puts the spikes up? Cause I can't get that to work. And I see that, I see that our, that our Krug smash fella, seems to do that pretty well and i have yet to make it work so is there a trick to it or how do, how do you guys do that i mean it's, there's a user error you see you make a what they're called again pressure plate no 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 the spears you know like standing spikes. spears uh-huh. um you make those you you build them as a trap and then you make a pressure plate and then you link them it you know like a bridge you just link them okay so if i build a spike um an upright spear or spike yeah. And put that somewhere and then link that to a pressure plate. That really should work. Okay, so it was obviously user error. I'm gonna keep I'll keep working on that. But you 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 have to remember that the pressure plate has to be triggered once for the spear to like come out and go in again. So one trigger means like two actions. And secondly, you really have to be careful when linking several several spears. Um, because that could mean that somebody triggers the pressure plate while one dwarf is trying to like make more spears linked to the oh. pressure plate. Uh, happened to me. It's not fun. Also, if you put your pressure plate into a, a place where a lot of dwarfs go in and out, for example, you have one door in your tavern and you put the pressure plate in front of that and will trigger the spears continuously. And that is very cool but you also have a problem of getting the pressure plate installed in the first place. Well, I think that the greatest idea, combining everything, doing some mildly genocidal trap brainstorming uh, Mm -hmm. from what we've seen so far, is taking a floodable hallway with an ominous flood shaft hanging overhead and lining the floors completely with spike traps so that you can trap the enemy in there and repeatedly stab them while they drown do they work mm. underwater? Do do spike traps work underwater? I suppose. Yes. Yeah, they do. We Perfect. saw that in, in someone's Our video. Our friend Krug Smash, yeah, uh, he, he, he had someone trapped at the bottom of a well. And he threw someone down a well, I believe, and stabbed them repeatedly in the well. Spoilers. Jesus yeah. Christ, well, it was the that. most brutal thing I've ever seen in a game. Now, that's the welcome committee I oh need to install. Oh, my God. That guy, Hell after yeah. that one, I, I wanted to send him a message and just be like, are you okay, buddy? Like, is everything okay? <laughs> like, like, you just trapped a, a video game character in a well for eternity, <laughs> and you have a button that just pokes him so he bleeds occasionally. Like, are we good? Is that okay? Well, I uh. guess, so the, the other thing you could do with traps, I 
I haven't done anything really with traps. Uh, this was not the episode for me, but you know, I'm <laughs> trying my best. Uh, another thing I've read you could do is uh, use cage traps to pit enemies to dump yeah. them into pits. Mm-hmm. Well, do do animals get hungry enough to eat creatures that you dump no. in pits? No, sadly, no. Think so. No, well, that's upsetting. So you, you can't can, yeah. make a pit of wild boars and feed goblins to them. No, no but that would be fun. sadly. Sadly, you can't. Um, but you can make a make a uh, pit of war crocodiles, though. Ooh, yeah. If yeah. you uh, if you train them for it to be war animals, they will attack enemies. Yeah. Okay. And then you can put the goblins in, and then they will have a hard time. But do remember to actually strip your goblins, or otherwise yes. you will have like armored goblins with weapons fighting against crocodiles. Now, which how is do not you do as that? Fun, because that's not very important. Easily. Yeah, not easily. I'd love to hear Roland's methodology. Yeah, for that. how do you strip your goblins? <laughs> um, well, I honestly Fortress just... after dark. <laughs> Stop it! Um, I prefer honestly, to I just use uh, the 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 uh, DF hack console command of uh, strip caged. Oh, damn. Uh-huh. That okay. makes things easy. Thank you. Um, somebody on the wiki said that there is a vanilla game option of stripping enemies, but I'm I don't have the brain cells to actually pull it off. So just use yeah. the automatic strip caged, and then they dump everything they wear on the floor, and your dwarves can pick it up, and it works good because that way you can make sure. Uh, the uh, the goblins that you want to pit are not weaponized, so they can't kill your superior crocodile crocodilian army in like a few swings. Well, see, that's why I was wondering about hungry boars because yeah. I could do away with corpse disposal as well as strip the armor from the inside by removing the goblin via boar maw. That was my <laughs> thought process. I was like, just eat the goblin out of the armor, and then I'll wear it. Yeah, I well, wish that would, that would be a thing, but um, I think boars would just get scared because they're not war-trainable. So uh, you gotta get them around. hungry. Come on, Tarn. Yeah. Make it yeah. happen. It would be cool, but you can actually make a large arena and then put large enemies like a giant or a cyclops in there, and they would smash uh, the goblins. And you can actually give giants or cyclopses cool weapons you know you can just drop them and they maybe pick it up you know just let them run around until they pick up the weapon and then they smash like goblins with i don't know a sock a leather shoe whatever you give them you know like gladiator stuff yeah yeah (laughs) is there an easy way to dump items and not creatures into a pit because when i go to the options i think i only saw creatures caged creatures this gets into into have a you have a dump a a dump. dump uh yeah. But you can't just immediately dump over the edge. Don't you have to make some sort of retractable floor? No, well, no, the, the problem is with the dumping sentient creatures, for example, goblins do, like goblins or large animals, like cyclops, what is the plural of the cyclops? Cyclopses? Cyclop, cyclopians. Yeah, um, that's it, cyclopians. If, if you have those, they will uh, count as enemies, of your fortress eternally and doesn't matter if they're being hauled or not but if a dude is holding for example a goblin and uh, they see a military dwarf of yours that military dwarf will immediately get called into action against the creature that is being hauled 
even though the creature itself right now is peaceful and doing nothing. So they will jump the creature and try to kill the creature, thus breaking the creature free of the holding action and making it into a real enemy that can fight back. Okay. So holding goblins is not a good idea. What I usually do is just, you know, the, the whole like putting a cage to a lever and then un, like unplugging the cage so it pops up and the, the people can run out. And when the arena is like done, everybody is like dead, I send um, either my military in to actually clean the rest of the survivors or just my civilian crew to like clean it up again and retrieve the cages again because that is the most secure way how you get a r arena but you don't get like people trying to uh haul dangerous animals through your fortress because it doesn't seem like a good idea to me gotcha so i think uh Tarn Adams has some work to do. We want <laughs> we want caged creatures to give happy thoughts to people who hate them instead of making them want to kill them. And we need boars and other wild animals to become desperate if they get hungry enough and willing to eat armed creatures. That's what we need in this game, for real. Yeah, but yeah. then again, the most animals don't actually eat. Like, if they're not grazers, they don't eat. You know, well, you can put. Yeah, what am it I, is. What am I doing with my with my goblets? What What am I supposed to do? <laughs> bury their corpses or leave yeah. them outside to be ugly? Like they don't deserve to be buried, and I don't deserve to have to look at them. So no, 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 no. You You have to think about it positively because you can put out a field of goblin corpses in front of your uh, fortress entrance to show that you are a fortress that is able to repel a goblin siege. Yeah. Mm. And it is also giving, like, a lot of happy thoughts to your dwarves when they go outside, you know? Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. Well, well you I need to make you... totems out of your goblin skulls and set them outside the entrance to your fortress. God, I, I wish the modding community is going to be pretty cool when yeah. this hits the Steam release days, which I think we've just crossed year two since Steam was released. I believe it was released in... Or oh, the it announcement, was, yeah. It was announced in uh, in what, like... March or April of 2019. So. This segment is brought to you by Logan Hastings, creator of Zeeskan on Yule, the reticent mirrors, in the city of Suzuksum. The reticent mirrors is a green glass armor stand, decorated with table cut green glass gems and encircled with bands of table cut precious fire opals. All crafts warfship is of the highest quality. Well, here's a here's another uh, question I have about how things might work, and I understand these like are all directed naturally at Roland, so because he's the guy who's going to answer all these. But uh, oh, I appreciate the vote of confidence. No offense, to the, no offense to the other guys, <laughs> Thanks, but, but Roland's been on the wiki more than once. I can tell. Uh, but anyway, um, if so, how does seeing ugly things work such that I might be able to make a moat of bodies that only incoming people see and not people in my area. So like, let's say I have a field, I channel out a moat, I fill it with the corpses of my enemies because what else do you fill moats with water? And, uh, <laughs> and then you put a bridge. So they have to walk across a field of their decaying brethren. And, yeah. uh, but I don't want to see it because that's ugly. 
right? That's for them. Can I just put like a wall up? I think you can do uh, pathing, you know, where you can set the, the, the walkways or you can like set a path for your people to take. Um, and I forget the Kafka S layer of keys that you have to do for that. And then fortifications, maybe D D O D O R to restrict pathing, I think, but yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. They could uh, but, be, a, I mean, I would approach it this way. You have either the option of actually making the corpse mode a thing further outside of your fortress. So it's like uh, quite a way outside of your fortress, but it's still quote unquote inside. So you have like walls. So every, every person has to go through that. For example, uh, traders, right? Traders come with wagons. Wagons need at least three blocks wide path. So yeah. um, to make sure that the trader is taking that path, make it at least three blocks wide. And then a uh, like a door in the back can be like one block wide, making traders only take the long path because only the long path is getting them to the depot. Okay. You can also like just uh, tell your dwarves to never take the big road by restricting it. Yes. Um, but what I noticed is very good. You can make the long way as long as you want because the traders have to take it. And uh, the back door is literally just a back door with like two tra traps in front. But you lock it every time your dwarves don't have to go out. So, for example, if you don't have fisher or hunters or whatever, you just lock the door because nobody has to go out the back door. And everybody that is coming in has to go through the corpse mode. That would be one way of doing it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So what's the distance? Do we know the distance then that dwarves can see things? Is it like 10 tiles? No, it's like it's like adventure mode seeing. So it's not even 10 tiles. It, it is around uh, 5 to 7, depending okay. on how good their perception is. But, uh, you know, if you, if you make it like 10 tiles away from your actual fortress, nobody will probably see it. It's a great idea. I really love it. I'm, I'm going to try it myself. <laughs> gotcha. I mean, I got plenty of corpses. I usually get populations really fast, so my goblin sieges will come in pretty quick. I have 140 dwarves in my current fortress, and it's only three years old. So it's like, I don't know. Like, I might have a lot of bodies. Justin Lothilma offers shelter for your tired spirit at the Warm Abbey. Shrine to Suvas, the saffron orange of sparks. Join Mayor Kobel and Jenanal in celebrating the works of Suvas on the large dance floor. All visitors are welcome. There's a couple things that I want to talk about real quick before yes. we start wrapping up. Yes, yes, yes. I want to follow up on the room values conversation that we had the other day. So oh, yeah. the, the if you if you weren't in for that, we were talking about how do you turn an opulent bedroom into a royal or sorry, an opulent throne room into a royal throne room. And uh, and one of our uh, one of our folks in the live stream mentioned that you should uh, like plate the floor with gold. Yep. That's how they usually do it. So I did do some looking to see if you can find out the actual value of a bedroom. And I believe that the answer to that is no. But there is a thread on the Bay 12 forums. It was started in like 2012, so it's re relatively old. But a lot of the stuff that's in it still makes sense. He did some dwarven science to find out uh, the ways that you can make room values increase to go from, you know, like a, a opulent to a royal throne room, for, for example. One of the things that I thought was interesting 
is that gaps in walls apparently significantly, even if there's a door in it, significantly increase the amount of things that you need in a room to take it from one uh, quality level to the other. So what they did was they had no doors in any of the bedrooms and they only had them accessible with stairways above and below. And Ah, that is what I did. So I want to show you. Oh, I will put a, I will put a, link to this picture i'll put it on our on our website and the people who are in the live stream can look at this on the live stream but if you look at the live stream you will see my bedroom system now that is and it is very neat so if you you smooth the floors you engrave them all and my mayor he's not quite got a royal throne room yet but he has definitely got an opulent throne room so it's and it makes things look really neat if you do it this way so Oh, I see. I, I think that's really. I think you're onto something there, man. Hmm. Yeah, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. yeah. Also, also the uh, while I think that they the visual continuity in the game, where you have gems embedded in the walls, uh, I don't think they look as good, but they do apparently increase the value quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, so, that's true. Building everything out of gold, I think, helps too. So gold <laughs> chairs, yes, gold. yes. Well, in my current Ooh, fortress, man. I have a lot of gold. So my mayor's bedroom is made of gold. But I found a better way to make targeted royal bedrooms. Like, let's say you just need your um, your royalty to have royal bedrooms. Uh, build a pedestal and put an artifact on it. Yeah. yeah I've done that. fairly well. I mean, a single artifact can often make a, a bedroom with no decoration whatsoever, not even smooth stone royal. Uh, I have a $100,000 dwarf bucks uh coffer in the bedroom of the person who made it and it's like all right royal bedroom oh just by putting that really expensive or like artifact thing oh okay so right now my mayor's my mayor's quarters are an opulent mayor's quarters uh so and i just put a pedestal in there it is a master pedestal that has been decorated with uh, with lots of gems let's take a look at my noble screen and see right now the mayor's throne room is currently opulent. I'm going to assign well, one of the yeah. artifacts to it and we will see a good one, once- a real good, like a battle axe or something, you know, make it something edgy. But yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, I suspect that if I put my nicest uh, artifact in there, my nicest artifact is. Can you find uh, artifacts on the stocks? Precious menu? fire opal throne. I think that might be it. What's that? That's a, great question um artifacts on the stock on the stocks menu i don't think so i think you have to hit capital l don't you you do yeah yeah i think that's the only way i found it stocks yeah, menu sadly. can be feels a little limiting because even yeah. finding out like what food you have is not easy yeah or well, if or maybe it is and i don't know so that that might be a if question. my bookkeeper could get his act together you can tab to show each individual item by tabbing modes in the stocks menu. If the bookkeeper has tracked it, I believe you need that to happen. And right. um, you can do that set. Like I imagine if hardcore. you knew, yeah, if you knew that your, your artifact is a battle ax, then you could just go to weapons and hit tab and probably find it there. I wonder yeah. if that would give you any, any luck. Well, my most valuable artifact is a steel pick, but it's currently being used by uh, one of my uh, squad leaders. I can tell you right now, I mean, I've taken rooms that are just barely smooth and outdone my royal bedrooms just by putting a bracelet on a pedestal in it. <laughs> uh, 
And I do that to all my artifacts now. As soon as someone gets starts a mysterious construction, I assign them a specific bedroom and install a pedestal so I don't lose that message and forget who made it. Interesting. And then I have I'll a museum. Install it. I mean, then again, I have a museum that I that I have a whole bunch of pedestals in, and every time that an artifact is made, I move it immediately to the museum. Yeah, same. You should make it a statue garden too. What do <laughs> statue gardens do? Yeah, no, um, it's just more you, you same, can assign them to either other locations or to specific people and people start to hang out in them like an actual museum and like going around like going wow cool stature um it can be good but i have yet to see a lot of people actually doing it i suppose it might have something to do with people being art inclined or not because somebody that is an art inclined might not go to a museum that often Fair play. But it can boost moods like a lot. Yeah. Well, that's actually exactly the uh, – your impression is exactly what I imagine people at art museums talk like. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when they look at art. Yeah. Uh, like, wow, stature must be like Roman Gothic. Uh, yeah. Oh, and here's an can idea. Can you feel the octagonal <laughs> mood swinging that this statue uh, inhibits in, in its watchers? I believe it's, it's recontextualized the dampness of the fort. Yeah. <laughs> it's turned the dampness into dankness, and but everyone that, likes a dank fort. That, that, then again, about the artifacts, you have to be lucky to actually get a really good artifact. Yeah. Because if you're like children, just continue to crank out bone artifacts that are worth like the the same amount of unsmelted gold ore that what you're going to do with that like put it in a in a room is like nice but you know it has no effect so i usually hope for actually good artifacts but when i get them like i once got a clear opal table so that was wow. pretty cool um and obviously, I put that in my tavern because communism, and we have to share. No I'm kidding. Yep. Um, <laughs> uh, but I felt. Are that you from was... East Germany? <laughs> no. Preach it, brother. Uh... <laughs> Thank you, comrade, for speaking up. That was a good question, though. I like it. Um, but uh, I felt that just putting this really cool, really expensive artifact into a room for just one person would be kind of a waste because I can potentially. Uh, like elevate the mood of everybody in the uh, tavern in the in the fortress instead of just one person, but maybe I just don't care enough about my royalty. I don't know. It's you know it's they true. usually just get smoothed rooms and like an extra bed or like extra chests and like yeah come on stay <laughs> silent. No, that's absolutely true. I don't play for optimism or optimism optimalism. I don't optimize my fortresses. I like so on on uh, Jonathan's fortress here. I would have mined away all of those different colors and replaced them with stone block walls of the same color and just not engraved anything because I'd rather my dwarfs suffer with unengraved walls than have to look at a bunch of purple blotches. So <laughs> when I'm thinking about stuff like that, I'm thinking what makes sense to me. That guy made the artifact. He deserves it in his room. Everyone else. No, they've got some gold statues in the tavern. They can go gawk at those. I suppose, yeah. But then again, like uh, crystals or like ore in the walls can 
really elevate the mood of everybody that is living around that. So, you know, it can be good, especially if you have like a grumpy one that you put into a room that has like a lot of crystal in the walls. Hey, I just put in the the pick. So let's find out as we're wrapping up here uh, what the value is of this room now. It is still opulent. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a very... I mean, you need like a tens of thousands of gold, I think, item to oh, do a, this, a major yeah, change. This one was a hundred thousand something. So oh, was maybe it, it just really? hasn't had time. Jeez, yeah, it's my uh, it's my my pick, the steel pick. It Whoa. is worth steel pick. That's... It is worth one hundred sixty six thousand eight hundred. Whoa, jeez! Yeah. I wonder this how most my recent room. artifact. You better defend that fortress, my guy. <laughs> oh, you know Somebody's what? Somebody's gonna come take it. What's that? Maybe items on pedestals don't change the value. And I'm only thinking of artifacts that are installed as their own structure. So like the coffer I was talking about, that mm. is its own building. It's uh, not on a pedestal. Well, if I would have put a right. coffin in there, if I put one of my, art- I've got like three artifact coffins for whatever reason, they're, they're morbid. But uh, <laughs> yeah, if I put that <laughs> in there. Okay. So in order for me to not have to spend the entire next week editing this podcast, I think that we should start wrapping it up. I do yeah. too. Awesome. Thank you. Okay, so we're going to skip the mailbag, and uh, we'll take care. So uh, thank you, everybody, who's for writing in. Uh, if you want to send us an, a message, or if you would like to be on the podcast, you can send us an email to urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Nathan, thank you so much for joining us and talking about dwarf stuff. Yeah, thanks for having me and letting me ramble here and there. Hey, it was awesome. About Absolutely. monstrous creations. <laughs> what other wonderful kinds are there? None that I know it of. It is, and I forgot to date stamp last time, uh, it is also a Memorial Day weekend 2021. It is May 30th, 2021, as we record this. So if no one else has anything that is pressing and needs to be brought up today, I think we're going to wrap this one up. What do you say, guys? Bueno. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Until next time, this has been Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, and have a great week. See you later. See ya. Until next time. See you, everyone. Attention members and guests, Potato Bomb invites you to the Golden Mines, Grand Metalsmith Guildhall of the Hall of Boulders, located in Suzuki's. Come learn and enjoy fellowship. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel, and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable.